Markets Conversation is a new IAM podcast where we discuss topics of importance to capital markets participants with product owners, subject matter experts, and industry leaders. Network, network, network. I wish I knew that earlier in my career. Relationships with your clients, relationships with your stakeholders are just so important. It's you know, the way to get things done is by knowing your counterparts. It's something that I fell into, you know, probably a good 10 years into my career before I really made strides and efforts to do it. Always be looking for new opportunities. Be willing to take a chance on yourself. Don't be afraid of change. Change is not always bad. In fact, in my experience, it's almost always been for the benefit. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Markets Conversation. I'm Ali Curry. Today, we'll be taking a dive into the rapidly evolving world of cryptocurrency and its effect on the financial markets, specifically derivatives. We'll discuss how crypto could affect the derivatives market if the CFTC approves a proposal by crypto platform FTX. This move could reduce the role of FCMs and seriously disrupt the trading status quo. Joining us in conversation are Russell Evans, Head of Client Engagement for Derivatives at ION, and John Needham, Product Manager for ION Markets. Let's get started. Russell Levins, John Needham, thank you for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's discuss one of the emerging stars of the finance world. Probably know what it is, cryptocurrencies. But in particular, I want to dive a little deeper into crypto derivatives. Russ, let's start with you. Crypto has rapidly evolved as an asset class. What are some of the drivers that make crypto attractive to investors? It's exciting because it's new. It's exciting because it has a technology backbone. I mean, the cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin obviously being the main one that people are aware of, yeah, they're digitally currencies that ultimately allow the transfer of assets you know, away from, from one party to another, you know, away from banks and outside of you know, banks and custodians. So you know, people have kind of embraced the technology and the ability to, you know, to, 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 you know, to trade these instruments and they kind of look at it as a store of value and it kind of almost equivalent to sort of gold. People have sort of said, okay, this is a, you know, a, a currency that doesn't have a government tied to it, so it can't necessarily be influenced directly by those governments and it enables us to basically transfer assets from A to B you know, through this digital ledger technology. So it's it's become exciting and it definitely has that tech buzz around it and it has that element of non-governmental freedom to it. So it's it's created quite a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz. Yeah, a, a lot of what I had um, initially heard was this kind of democratizing, something that everybody could get into. Uh, but now it seems that the SEC is not taking kindly to this democratizing. Uh, it's really it's really beefing up its uh, regulatory staff, et cetera. Do you uh, have you heard anything around that? Is there anything around that you can you can share with us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the regulators are, you know, are there to protect the public and you know, to ensure that you know, investable assets that they you know, where where they put their money to work and where they invest, trade, and speculate um, that you know, that they're protected by regulation and that there aren't bad actors that that ultimately are helping them you know, pick in their pockets. Um, so it's quite natural that as these you know, trading trading venues emerge, that ultimately they become regulated. And you know, this, this activity with Bitcoin, with CFTC and the SEC and their involvement with it is you know, a very similar playbook to how other, how other asset classes have evolved and the last one probably being the FX market. Um, so it's you know, 
So it's, it's quite natural where we're going is that the technology and the innovation comes and the regulation follows with a desire to basically you know, protect the investing public and you know, you know, protect people. That's what it's there for. But not everybody has always been uh, such a fan of crypto. John, were you a little skeptical initially? I was. I was skeptical at the beginning. Uh, you know, the FIA formed a cryptocurrency working group. Actually, it was part of the FIA Markets and Technology Division at the time formed a cryptocurrency study group or a working group in the summer and fall of 2017 before the CME and CBOE futures exchange were list, were intending and had announced that they were going to list uh, Bitcoin futures. And so we formed this group to basically see what the impact was going to be on our world. And me being the back office tech guy and the kind of the reg tech guy, I my focus at the time was uh, on the regulatory, compliant, regulatory reporting and the compliance topics surrounding um, Bitcoin futures at the time. But at the, when, I, when we had these calls, I went in the very first call. I said, I'm, a, I'm, a skept, I'm skeptical of this, this asset class and I'm skeptical of the need for a derivatives market. Because to me at that time, it seemed like most of what you heard about in the crypto space and the Bitcoin space was criminal enterprises were using it extensively. It was the, they were the largest users of of Bitcoin. So I, you know, in that sense, I didn't think it was, it was, it was, uh, how can I put it? Not eligible, but it should not have been included in the list of derivatives contracts eligible for trading. Terry Duffy had said at the time, he was the CEO of the CME at the time. He said, this is a volatile asset class and our, our traders want to trade it. So we're going to list it. And I thought that's not the reason that a futures market should exist because people want to trade it. But, you know, I think as over time it has it has mainstreamed a little bit. There are car loans and home equity loans, and there are mortgages now that exist where the payments are done in, in cryptocurrency. So it's becoming more mainstream. I still think, you know, as recently as last year, the, you know, there was hackers that were taking over pipelines and other businesses and were demanding payment in Bitcoin. So to a, in a very real sense, it is still a, an asset class used extensively by the criminal enterprises in the world. And, you know, which it, that's why I think, you know, if we're, I would welcome a world where these asset classes are wildly, reg, are, are better regulated. I won't say wildly, but are better regulated than they are today. This episode is brought to you by ION. At ION, our clear derivatives solutions automate your complete trade lifecycle and deliver actionable insights whenever and wherever you need them. To learn more, visit us at iongroup.com markets or email us markets at iongroup.com. Democratizing crypto is really exciting, but that means for everyone means everyone. And now this firm, FTX, plans to offer crypto derivatives directly to its users. It could really disrupt the market. Tell us a little bit about what's going on here. What, what, let, let's start with the basics. So can you share with our listeners some background on FTX and what its proposal means for the market? FTX today is a cryptocurrency spot market trading platform. It is also a cryptocurrency derivatives trading platform. It's one of many. There are, there are a number of cryptocurrency derivatives trading platforms that exist today. FTX is one of them. The FTX is also a designated contract market regulated by the CFTC, which means that they can list derivatives products on their, on their trading platform. And they are also a, a CFTC regulated DCO or derivatives clearing organization, which means that they are eligible to clear the trades 
that execute on their trading platform in both in, in the derivatives in the derivatives uh, market. So they are a, a trading platform, a designated contract market, and a des- uh, derivatives clearing organization, all regulated by the CFTC. So one would think this is great, right? It's a one-stop shop. Now it, it opens it up to a bigger audience and more players. So is there a downside? They are proposing, their proposal came to the CFTC to, um, today, you know, the trading community logs directly on, opens up an account on the FTX platform. Um, that isn't the, typically the case. It isn't historically the case for a uh, for a derivatives contract. If you want to trade derivatives, if you want to trade futures contracts, you would open up an account at a at a broker, future commission merchant or an FCM. Then you could post margin at the broker and execute trades on a designated contract market, and they would be cleared by the designated clearing organization. So the broker was in between you, the customer, and the, and the clearinghouse or the CCP. FTX is proposing to turn that on its head and say, we're going to have the customers open up accounts directly with us, non-intermediated by brokers, and be able to trade derivatives contracts. That's what their proposal is. That's what their request is for this, to the CFTC. Now, they already do that today for the spot market. So anybody can open up an account. I actually did. You open up an account at FTX. You can trade the, the derivative spot market. You can trade Bitcoin. You can trade Ether or Solana or the FTX coin. But you cannot trade the derivatives in the U.S. today. In outside of the U.S., customers can log in, open up an account, and trade derivatives. But inside the U.S., that is not permitted. Perhaps it's worth saying here that you know, just for the for the benefit of the listeners, is that um, you know, a derivative contract by nature is a is a leveraged instrument. Ultimately, what that means is that. You know, a party can get exposure to a particular product on leverage by putting down margin or a kind of a security deposit. They don't have to, unlike the spot market or the cash market, they don't have to pay for the whole instrument. So in effect, they can put down, let's say, 30 to 40% of the instrument of the contract's value, you know, as and you know, ultimately it gives them you know the ability to trade on margin and leverage. So that's kind of the, the big driver here for the you know, for the crypto exchanges is you know, they want to offer leverage products how do they do that through futures and to basically have that capability they have to get seek approval from the the cftc the regulator which is exactly as it as it should be but the crypto guys yeah they're, they're driven to move into this is a new as a new territory for trading to expand their yeah, their business opportunities russ but to john's point you know it's cutting out the middleman right the uh the fcms is that good is that bad up front it sounds like this is a good opportunity. Everybody can get involved. We cut out the middleman. Are there some potential pitfalls in in cutting out the FCMs? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I mean, one thing is that you know, people should recognize that the FCMs there you know, bring bring two things to the marketplace in terms of derivatives. They bring distribution. They have a, you know, a channel of clients themselves, and ultimately they plug their clients into the exchanges through these distribution channels. That's one item. So they, in effect, are the exchange members of global exchanges. Uh, and they have that throughput. But additionally as well, they also underwrite an element of the risk um, yeah, in the marketplace. And they disintermediate the risk as well. Um, the, you know, the clearing members, the brokers, have um, themselves got deposits with the clearing houses. And in the event of a large catastrophic default, the brokers are you know, subject to have exposure to that. And they, you know, by virtue of the fact that the deposits that they have made and they are required to make, 
under the FTX model, this is where it differs. They don't have the, these intermediate these intermediaries, uh, and and as a result, they also don't have intermediaries who stand basically behind you know, the, the risk, you know, the risk in the event of clearinghouse default. So, in effect, it's a you know it's with the FTX model, though it's different. Is it bad? No. Is it good? It's interesting. It's just different the way it operates. And then perhaps the concern could could be, and I'm sure that you know, some of the exchanges probably also th- probably think this, is that yeah, ultimately it is a, a one-stop shop with one party being on all sides of the transaction to include the to include the ending risk of the transaction, and that's substantially where it differs from the traditional the traditional models you know, t- today. John, uh, anything to add to that? Well, I think that's a that's a really good summary. I think Russ made some really good points there, uh, describing the nature of the current market, but FTX's proposal contains some specific changes to the market structure that look attractive, right? It's particularly in the case of me to a technologist. The uh, risk management policies and practices that FTX is proposing, they, they might be attractive to a, to a regulator. FTX is going to risk manage all their positions and calculate margins on the, all of the positions, all of the portfolios in each account on a, every 30 seconds, 24-7. And that's that's more often than than either the CCPs do today, and it's more often than the uh, carrying brokers or the, the the FCMs do today. They're going to be risk monitoring and risk managing those positions. If somebody goes into a underwater or undermargined condition in an account, FTX is going to automatically start liquidating positions in that portfolio until such a time as the account is no longer undermargined, and they're going to do that in real time. Now. They're going to be doing that against their central limit order book, meaning they're going to be doing it in the open market, which is normal, which is a good thing. That's what an FCM would do if one of their customers defaulted. They'd start liquidating positions in the open market. But the question then becomes what happens in the case of a large position that moves the market against the, the general public? Then you've got a different then you've got a different answer to that question. And the, the FTX proposal does have a group of traders or some number of traders or entities that will be that they refer to as a backstop that have promised the exchange that they will take on X number of defaulting positions in a particular time slice. And they are also backing it with $250 million of their own money. Is that enough? I don't have the answer to that. I think that the regulators are going to have to look closely at that figure. But FTX is proposing some radical changes to the way risk management does is done today in the derivatives market. The way uh, FTX put it in their in their letter to the CFTC, which is public domain on the CFTC's website, is that their intention is to bring the futures market, the derivatives industry, into the 21st century. You know, rather than waiting till the end of day to compute margins on a portfolio, even if you're doing it in real time, there's no capacity for an FCM today to start liquidating positions automatically, like FTX is going to do. The challenge that they have there is that they, you know, is is this proposal going to be enough? Is their risk management policies and practices going to be enough for the regulators to get behind it? I don't know the answer to that, so we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. Yeah, what the CFT he's done here, rightly and, and in, in accordance with their their operating structure, is they put out a public comment period, which they've extended. Um, it originally was thirty days. I think they pushed it out to sixty or ninety. And they're you know, soliciting a garner, garnering commentary from the industry, from participants far and wide as to what people's concerns are with this change in model. The other, the other item that John didn't mention that's worth sort of talking about is one other item that FTX is going to do differently is seeking to ultimately operate their market 24-7. 
So, which is different from you know, the, the standard futures markets, which oper, operate you know twenty three five. So that's different in the fact that you know there'll be active trading over the weekends. That's no different from the the the, the cryptocurrency cash markets as it stands. So that's not a game changer in the crypto world, but it is a change in the derivative world. And that will be good for some, but 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 you know, may post you know, may, may may pose challenges for others. So so that's that's a new item. I mean, there is no doubt about it that what, what FTX is doing and what the crypto world is doing to the capital markets is yes, they are bringing them you know into new innovative solutions, and they are modernizing you know modernizing markets. There is no two ways about it. So it's you know it's great to hit, you know, to see you know, that this is happening and. The other markets, the other products, really will need to play catch up at some point. But there are, yeah, there are some challenges around that too. Um, I guess we've got to think about things like, re- in reality, you know, banking is not twenty four seven. So this is currently a lim- currently a limitation. Is okay. You, know, you might be able to trade around the clock, but you can't necessarily move the collateral and the cash around the clock. Um, you know, this is a, you know, this is a challenge. The, you know, the Federal Reserve payment window is you know, is open Monday to Friday. Um, you know, early in the morning, Eastern time through to, let's say, 5 p.m. Eastern, I believe it is. Um, but outside of that, again, you yeah, you can't do a transaction. It, it banks up till the next day. Um, yeah, the crypto markets are different. Um, the ability to, you know, to transact and settle and clear crypto and, and move crypto around is not encumbered or limited by that. So there's, this is where these differences are. And again, this is all yeah, very positive, the momentum here. But people have just got to get used to, you know, consider what risks this poses to the traditional model. Well, I guess we're going to learn a little bit more shortly, right, John? The CFTC is doing a public roundtable on the 25th. Yeah, um, they've announced that. They're going, to have, they're going to have people from the traditional CCP market. They're going to have, obviously, FTX represented. They're going to have FCMs represented. They will probably have you know, finance professors and other uh, intellectuals commenting and, and participating in their roundtable. They will have... The trading community represented. They will probably have other regulators like NFA represented. It'll be very interesting to see how that how that whole that whole that day will be a very interesting day to see how this is going to shake out. So the purpose the purpose of the roundtable is not really to find and is it really to just kind of strip away and dissect uh, the intricacies of the proposal? They, they will not make and do any rulemaking at that meeting. No, that's correct. They will simply use that as an information to help the help the uh, the. The five commissioners and their staff drive the decision-making process behind the FTX proposal, whether or not to approve it, whether to do it as a pilot program for specific, maybe specific cryptos. Well, I think um, it'll be exciting. I'd, I'd love for you both to come back uh, to the podcast after uh, that webinar from the CFTC and discuss some takeaways. I'm sure there'll be a lot to dive into. Yeah, if anybody wants to see that, there, it's it's announced on the CFTC's website, so you can look for their press release on that. Um, there, it'll be on May 25th. It's a day long, a day long session with an hour break for lunch. So I'll be, I will definitely be listening and I'm pretty sure Russ will be too. It's a topic of great interest to some of us in the finance world. For sure it is. Let's see you know, how it pans out and let's see you know, where, where the commission ends up and you know, how they formulate their view based on what they hear. Um, again, they're looking to seeking to encourage innovation and change. Um, but let's see how far they're willing to take it. Um, based on the feedback they get from you know, from the community. So uh, time will tell. This episode is brought to you by ION. At ION, our clear derivatives solutions automate your complete trade lifecycle and deliver actionable insights whenever and wherever you need them. We offer execution and order management, post-trade processing, 
and a complete front-to-back business solution. To learn more, visit us at iongroup.com markets or email us markets at iongroup.com. And that's our episode for today. You can follow Ion Markets on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.